I greatly appreciate the good folks at MoDOT and City Utilities and all the good people at National Weather Service and others who do everything they can to try to keep all of us safe. Whether the weather is threatening, whether there's ice building up on the road or a tornado's been spotted or some other kind of dangerous condition exists, a warning goes out. A radio announcement, a television announcement, a special text, some kind of notification from one of your smartphone apps, all kinds of warnings that come from public agencies that have dedicated themselves to making sure we're safe. That's good. I don't like danger. I am danger averse. I like all ten of my fingers and all ten of my toes right where they are right now. Thank you very much. My mother used to tell me that I would lose my head if it wasn't attached. I don't want to test that theory, if that's okay. Most of us appreciate a warning, especially if it prevents us from serious harm. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 9, Moses provides the nation of Israel with a warning. There was something that was dead ahead right before them that could destroy them individually. It would destroy their nation. Now, now what was this? What was this incredible danger that was so formidable? Was it some kind of mighty army? Was it a plague? Was it an earthquake? No. Now, all those things are terrible, but this was something that was far, far worse. Moses warns the nation of Israel about the danger of pride. Here's what he says in verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 9. Understand then that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess. For you are a stiff-necked people. This morning I hope all of us will not only recognize but learn how to avoid the danger of pride. First of all, pride will make you miss how much our world needs Jesus. The nation of Israel was standing on the brink of realizing this incredible reality, the promised land. And Moses knew that the people faced a great danger was not the enormous armies of the Canaanites. It was not the challenges of transitioning from a nomadic people to a sedentary people. It was not dividing the land amongst the tribes of Israel who sometimes didn't quite get along as well as brothers should have. Now, all of those would be dangers, but they were not the greatest danger they would face. Their greatest danger would lead to absolute destruction, to the loss of everything. God would destroy them just like He was about to destroy the Canaanites. 
Their greatest danger came not from without, but from within. Because their greatest danger was pride. Moses points out two pivotal problems that pride creates for the nation of Israel and will create in our life this morning. Very quickly, I want to talk about both of them. First of all, pride blinds us to what really matters. As God would give victory to the nation of Israel over the people of Canaan, the Israelites might be tempted to think, wow, we're a lot stronger than we thought. All these giant armies and these fortified cities, they've just fallen before us. We can really fight these battles. That would be a grave mistake. First of all, they were not a mighty army. Anything but. The spies were absolutely right. When they went into the promised land and they came back and said, we can't do this. There's giants in the land. They have fortifications around their city like nothing we've ever seen. We can't do this. They were absolutely right. Israel could not do what needed to be done in the promised land. But strength would have nothing to do with it. God would defeat the people of Canaan because of their wickedness. That's what Moses had said in verse 4. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. Archaeological studies in the region have shown that the religion of this era was some of the most corrupt and depraved of the entire ancient Near East. They brought this destruction upon themselves. Israel's pride would blind them to that truth. So much so that in years to come, Israel would begin to adopt some of these very practices that the Canaanites were guilty of practicing. The very thing that had brought destruction upon them, they would do some of these horrendous activities. Now, why would they do that? Pride. Thinking that they could find a better way than what God had already given them. That's why they would begin to worship the Baal gods. Because they would think, well, you know, we can bring an even bigger crop in. Sure, God's blessed us, but we can do even better. And so they would begin to fall into some of the practices of worshiping the Baal gods, which led them to all kinds of horrific activities. It all started with pride. There's an old optical illusion. You can even try it right there where you are this morning. If you put your fingers together in front of your nose and then focus your eyesight just a little bit farther than that, an amazing thing happens. A floating finger appears between your two fingers. Of course, it isn't really there. It's just an optical illusion. Kind of fun, too, because if you move your finger apart, it really looks like it's floating. You can try this later if you don't want to do it now. But you will learn really quick 
that, that floating finger is not really there, especially if you try to do this while you're walking. You'll end up falling off the curb and realize that finger's not going to catch you because it doesn't exist. Now, here's how all of this impacts today. This isn't just about the Israelites marching into the land of Canaan. This hits us right where we live, right here, right now, Springfield, Missouri, this morning. What do you think is our world's greatest need? Here's the problem. As long as we are focused on ourselves, which that's what pride does, it focuses all of our activity and all of our thoughts upon us. As long as that's where our focus is, we will fall prey to an illusion. For one thing, our perception will be that the world's greatest need is to be more like us. Of course, at the same time, the world is looking at us, saying that our greatest need is to be just like them. The problem is blind, pride, focusing upon ourselves, blinds us to the real truth. Our greatest need and their greatest need is Jesus. It's one of the challenges that our missionaries have when they're on the field. To overcome their natural desire to change the culture around them. To make the people where they are more like them instead of focusing on the far greater need of introducing them to Jesus. But we can fall prey to the very same thing. The world around us does not need to dress more like us, talk more like us, think more like us. What the world around us desperately needs is Jesus. And pride blinds us to that truth. But there's more. Pride not only blinds us to the world's need for Christ. Pride blinds us to our own need. Moses knew that the nation of Israel would not only run into the danger of missing what the people around them needed. They would forget what they needed too. And so he reminds them here in verse 6, Understand then that it's not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. And then Moses spends the rest of Deuteronomy chapter 9 reminding the people of a prime example of their pride run amok. The unfortunate creation of the golden calf at the foot of Mount Sinai. You remember that story the people of Israel certainly remembered it. While Moses was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments from God, the people of Israel decided they had a better idea. They would make their own God, and they created a golden calf, and they began to fall down and worship. Did not work out so well. Their pride, their thinking, you know, we can do this better than what God can. That same pride would cause the same disaster on the other side of the River Jordan that it had on the side where they currently were. Moses uses a word here. He says, you're a stiff 
stiff-necked people. The word comes from the image of a farmer with his ox. And the farmer's getting ready to plow his field, so he gets his ox out from the barn and brings him out into the field, and he's getting ready to start. He needs to put the yoke on to the ox so he can get him hooked onto the plow. But as he starts to put that yoke onto the ox, the ox stiffens his neck. Won't let him get it on there. And so the ox becomes a two-ton paperweight that eats all the hay and poops a lot. (laughs) Moses says to the nation of Israel, if you convince yourself that you somehow deserve the promised land or that you've somehow earned your right to enter the promised land, you will be just like that stubborn cow. We have to be careful we don't make the same mistake. Some people might argue that the greatest, largest, most devoted single religion in America is Christianity. Oh, that that were the truth. The greatest, most prevalent religion in America today is the religion of me. And here's how you can find that out. You don't need Gallup to go do this survey. You can find it out yourself. You go downtown Springfield, find ten people, and just ask them the question, how does somebody get into heaven? The majority of those people are going to tell you something along the line of, well, you just need to be a good person. You don't rob any banks, don't kill anybody, uh, go to church, uh, be nice, don't cuss a lot. You'll be all right. That's the prevalent idea of how somebody gets into heaven. Just watch movies and television shows that talk about heaven. If they're not produced by a Christian person, typically that's exactly what they say. The way you get there is by being a good person. Now, there are all kinds of problems with that, beginning with the absolute absurdity of thinking that there was any way possible that any of us could ever be good enough for a perfect, holy, and righteous God. But there's another problem. And again, that problem begins in pride, because think about it for a minute. If I think I can be good enough to get into heaven, if I think I can somehow make myself able to enter into the gates of heaven, I have negated my need for God. If I can make myself good enough for heaven, I don't need God anymore. All I have to do is follow these rules, obey these laws, check off this list, and I've done it. There's just one problem. Deep down, we know that's not true. Because the majority of people that respond to that question, how do you get into heaven, well, you be a good enough person, the majority of people that respond that way, they will respond exactly the same way to a follow-up question. 
Okay, so go downtown Springfield, find 10 people, ask them how to get to heaven. The majority of them are going to say, well, you be a good enough person. You do some good things. You be a nice guy. Don't hurt anybody. You'll get there. Follow it up with this question. So you think you're going to make it? And the majority of them will respond with something like, well, I sure hope so. And that's the problem. Pride tells us we've made it. We can do this. We don't need God. We can be good enough. But deep down we know that's not true. We know we don't measure up. And even in a survey, we're not willing to lie. We sure hope it's right. But deep down, we know it's not. Now, folks, that's the reason that we as believers must always point people to Jesus. We must never give the impression that being a member of a church or living the right kind of life or adopting the correct cultural activities will save anybody because it won't. We are a stiff-necked people. We all share this tendency to focus on ourselves. And even as believers, sometimes we'll do that. Maybe not through our intentions, but through our actions. We all face the grave danger of pride. So we need to constantly remind ourselves, and we need to constantly clearly present this message. There is only one solution. And His name is Jesus. It's why we do the mission offerings we do. We're currently involved in the Annie Armstrong mission offering. Thank you for your faithfulness and giving toward that offering. The goal is $6,000. I think you've already given over $3,000 in just a couple of weeks. We, we do that because we want to make sure everyone in North America knows it's not about following a list of rules. It's not about being a good person. The only way you can have everlasting life is through the saving grace of Jesus. That's what they need. It's why we do the international mission offering. It's why we do the state mission offering and the Green County offering. It's why we send out missionaries. It's why we go as missionaries. Because what our world needs is Jesus. Heavenly Father, forgive us. So often we let our pride get in the way. And and we want to make the world like us. Rather than pointing them to you. God, help us to see the danger of pride. Thank you that you've given us clear warning in your word. That when our focus is on us, there's danger ahead. So Heavenly Father, help us in everything that we do to focus on you. To take a clear message to our community and to our world. That we all need Jesus. For it is in his name we pray. Amen.